this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I believe it's a wake-up call for every one of us to understand there are gods that are literally after every one of us every day. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 in the message says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If you need a Bible this morning, raise your hand. I'll get you one, our ushers will get you one. And go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. It's where we began last week. And every day, every day, the, the choices I make declare which gods are, are winning the battle and the war for my heart. Every day. And so you heard this last week. What, what you sacrifice for is what you worship. And so today, while you're in here, I'm going to just tell you right now, you're probably going to sit some conviction here today. That's a good thing. I believe God wants to, to, to help us to move past some things in every one of our lives. Exodus 20, begin with me in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and you shall have no other gods before me. Now, once again, you must understand, the character of God demands loyalty. It is a big thing. Throughout the Old Testament, especially in Deuteronomy, over and over, you'll see this phrase, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. Okay? It's a big deal to God, and it needs to be a big deal to us. Verse 4. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, we saw last week that that phrase, a jealous God, is another covenant name for Father God. You may see in the Bible, He's Yahweh, He's the great Jehovah. But he's a jealous God. Now that is meant in a, in a righteous way or a loving way. We sing a song sometimes, and I'm, going to sing, I'm not going to sing it to you. I'm just going to quote it. But it says, he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I'm a tree. And so that's how God is to us. He loves every one of us in here. And he is a jealous God. Now look what takes place here next. Visiting or punishing the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations to those who hate me. Now, in our lives, and maybe this will help you a little bit, sometimes there's things that we have a, a heart to do even though we don't understand why we're doing it. Almost like something is pulling us, an inclination. We must first understand that word iniquity. It says, visiting or punishing the iniquity of the Father. Now that word iniquity has to do with sin. And what it's talking about is sin that has been repeated over and over and over. To the third and the fourth generations. So what that would look like in my life would be the sins of my grandfather the sins of my father, my sins, and even my son's sin. 
And so what happens with these things called iniquities is if they're never repented of, confessed, they kind of have what we would say a snowball effect. They get stronger and stronger and stronger. Now the word repent, number one, means to confess. These iniquities have never been confessed to sin. And the second definition of repent is to do a 180. Now you know what that means? That repentance is more than just a confession of my mouth. Repentance is to turn from it. And so when you look at what he's talking about right here, the message says it this way. Punishing the children for any sins their parents passed on to them. So there's a tendency with every one of us in here to follow the gods that our parents worshipped. I saw a t-shirt recently and it said, my DNA made me do it. Well, there's some truth to that. Now, let me, let me help you see this a little clearer. We don't have a problem as human beings seeing physical genetics. In other words, you may have had someone say, you look like your mother, but you act like your daddy. And you look like your great-grandfather. You look like this. And so we, we don't have problems understanding physical genetics, but there's also a thing called spiritual genetics. So some of the, the things that happened with our parents are passed down to us. Some of the gods or the idols they worshipped will be passed down. And a lot of times you'll see similarities in their life and in your life. Now that may look this way. Now, let's just say your dad was a man who's like any father. He wanted to be a provider. He wanted to take care of his family. But ultimately, he becomes a workaholic. So the gods of his life become work. Goes to work six to six, six every day, every day, every day. And before long, the god of success and the god of achievement is what he lives for. Maybe you had a mother that was more about appearance. Maybe let's say that they, they loved where they lived. It was a big deal what they drove. It was a big deal the type of house they lived. It was a big deal the clothes they wore. That if you didn't wear this brand, you, you, you didn't amount to nothing. And so you begin to see some of these characteristics can come after us. You could have a parent that could have served the gods of sports, the god of entertainment, the god of money. How many of you have ever seen a t-shirt that says, I'll work for beer? See, in my life, there was iniquity that came after me that literally had to do with, with alcohol. And my grandfather, that I vaguely remember, guys, just he died when I was four or five. He died of alcoholism. Literally drank himself to death. And I remember numerous times at a young age, people would say to me, you look like your grandfather. And you act like him. And I really didn't understand it. I took it as a compliment. But at the age of 12, I started drinking. At the age of 17, I'm a teenage alcoholic. And so this pattern right here of what we would call a generational iniquity, it came after me. And you may see certain patterns in your life. That's what we want to help you with today.
Because I can tell you right now, because of the blood of Jesus in my life, alcohol doesn't dominate me anymore. Now, it used to. It used to have me in what I called a headlock, and it would throw me around and slim. It dictated everything in my life. Turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 20. Let's just go a little bit farther today. Ezekiel, chapter 20. Where's Ezekiel? Well, you'll go to Jeremiah, and then a little book called Lamentations. Then you'll hit Ezekiel. If you've gone to Daniel, you've gone too far. Ezekiel 20. Now, I gave you a bunch of uh, a negative stuff with generational things. There's a positive side of that, too. Just think that if you had parents that honored God their whole life, that said, we're going to live for God, and we're going to make a big deal about church, and we're going to make a big deal about tithing, I'm going to tell you that same blessing can be handed down. Prove it. Well, think about the, the patriarch, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Abraham, guys, came from a background where his father was named Terah, and Terah was known as an idol worshiper. But Abraham himself, he made the decision, and he said, you know what, I'm going to live for God. And he did. And then his son Isaac lived for God, and ultimately his son Jacob lived for God, and his son Joseph, actually Jacob had 12 sons. They lived for God. So it, it isn't just a generational cursing. There's generational blessings. Now, here's a good news for every one of you in here. Just needs one to take it. You may come from a background where there wasn't generational blessings as far as God. But it just takes one. And I threw that in there about Abraham because when Abraham started, he didn't have a, God, a daddy that served God. But he said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So you can be a generational history maker. Ezekiel 20, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and set before me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Have you come to inquire me? As I live, says the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? Then make known to them the abominations of their fathers. I want you to understand and realize the abominations of their fathers. And you know what that word abomination means? Detestable practices. So he's telling them right there, there's some things that your fathers did. Keep reading. Verse 5. Say to them, thus says the Lord God on the day when I chose Israel, and raise my hand in an oath, to the descendants of the house of Jacob, and made myself known to them in the land of Egypt, I raised my hand in an oath to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day I raised my hand in an oath to them, to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands. Now, I want you to picture this. This is the way I begin to look at it. That this is Father God talking right here. And it said he raised his hand, and he made an oath. Now, if you were ever to testify in a court, they would say, Do you swear to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? I might. No, 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 you do. If you'll get this right here, Father God swore himself in. And you know what Father God said? 
I swear, I put myself under an oath that I'll be your God. The God who led you out of Egypt. And then the second thing he took the oath on, he said, I want to bless you with the land that flows with milk and honey. You know what milk and honey is? Man, that's good living. That's good eating. That's the blessed life. And so right here, God says, swear me in. And when you understand about God, God can't lie and he cannot change. This is still his heart. So look what he goes on to say then in verse 7. Then I said to them, each of you, what? Throw away the abominations or the detestable practices which are before your eyes. Now once again, the things that are before our eyes, so many times that's what we ultimately absorb in life. The things you see over and over and over, they will begin to pull you in. Now think about today with the Super Bowl. A 30-second segment of the Super Bowl today will cost between four and four and a half million dollars. So you know what these guys that are putting commercials are and saying? We gotta give them something that'll really hook them. Now what do they do? They go after our eyes. So much of what happens in our lives takes place with our eyes, especially among men. You know what they say? Men fall in love with their eyes, women fall in love with their ears. True, I believe. Keep reading what he goes on to say here. And so he said, The abominations which are before his eyes, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now when he talks about the things with your eyes, he's talking about right now. When he refers to the things of Egypt, he's going back to our past. He's telling us right here, or he's telling them, the gods of your past will try to come after you. But I must put boundaries on my desires, and I can't go after everything I see. In other words, I've got to discipline myself. Verse 8. But they rebelled against me, and they would not obey me. They did not all cast away the abominations which were before their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. And ultimately, God wasn't happy with them. This is what this is talking about. Same chapter. Look at verse number 16. Because they despised or rejected my judgments or my ordinances, and did not walk in my statutes, but they profaned or violated my Sabbaths, for their heart went after other idols. Now, when you look at this here, the Sabbaths were a big deal to God. They're still a big deal to God. But if you'll note, what pulled them away from things that were viewed as very holy, holy and sacred to, to Father God was these idols. You'll see throughout the scriptures a lot of times that he'll refer to idols as gods, a little G-O-D-S. And all these things called gods are pulling after us every day. They're wanting to, to become the throne of your heart. Same chapter. chapter or same chapter, verse number 30. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, are you defiling or polluting yourselves in the manner of your fathers? Once again, God looks for a man or woman that'll stand up and repent 
for not only their sins, but the sins of their fathers. And a lot of times when I'd read those things, I'd say, wait a minute, that's not fair. But it is what it is. And once again, it takes just one. It takes just one. Now, in my own life, guys, I gave my heart to Jesus. And even after I gave my heart to Jesus, the gods of alcohol still came after me. I was born again, but these things kept pulling after me and pulling after me. To the point I about lost everything I had. And so it came to this in my own life, that not only did I repent, I began to, to speak the things of God over my life. Remember a month or so ago, we talked about binding ourselves to the blood of the Lamb. Bind your family members to the blood of the Lamb. I encourage you, get a hold of that. Get a hold of that and begin to welcome Jesus' blood in your life by saying, Father God, I bind myself to your Son's blood today. I bind my mind to your blood today. I bind my thoughts. I bind my tongue to the blood. I bind my sleep to the blood of Jesus. I bind my dreams to the blood of Jesus. Now, Colossians 1.12 says that Jesus has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance in light. Jesus has qualified every one of you in here. If you're born again, he's qualified you. Colossians 1.13 says he's delivered you out of the power of darkness. Whatever darkness is in your life, begin to thank Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. I've been delivered out of the power of darkness. In my life, that darkness was alcohol. I said it exactly that way. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I have been delivered because of the blood of Jesus out of the power of alcohol. Now, to God be the glory right now. I'm not bound by that anymore. I've been free. I, I hadn't had alcohol in, I don't know how many, 30 years probably. And I attribute to this, guys, one, I'm born again, and number two, I started living under the inheritance that Jesus has already paid. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to get a hold of that. Verse number 39, same chapter. As for you, O house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, go serve every one of you his idols. And hereafter or afterward, if you will not obey me, but profane my holy name no more with your gifts and your idols. Now what he's talking about right there is these people, they worshipped idols, but they gave gifts to God. At the same time. And God wasn't happy about it. And as, as people, me and you, if we're not careful and if we're not guarding our hearts every day, this can happen to us. That we can get so caught up with the, the temptations that are around us that we worship them, but we come to church on Sunday and we give God gifts. But listen, listen. God doesn't just want our heart on Sundays. God wants our heart all the time. God loves each one of us that much. So what do we do here? Well, turn back just a couple pages to Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel 18. You know, the problem is when we try to follow Jesus, but we don't leave the, the things of Egypt behind. 
We try to follow Jesus without eliminate those things in our life. And Jesus will help you do that. Nowhere in the Bible did he expect you to do that on your own. But I believe it comes to call out for him. And anything that becomes the object of our worship becomes the gods of our life. Now you can look at this any way you want. The Super Bowl, it's not evil in itself. But when stuff like that becomes a god, concerts aren't evil in themselves. But when those things become the god, those are the things I sacrifice for because whatever I sacrifice for is what I'll worship. Ezekiel 18, look at verse 30. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his ways. Each one of us in here is what he's talking about. Look at his, his assignment. Says the Lord God, Repent and turn from your transgressions, so iniquity will not be your ruin. What was the key? Repent and turn. So number one, we all got to repent of our sins. We got to repent of these things, but also that we must turn because if I don't, he clues me in and he says, iniquity will be your ruin. Iniquity will be your stumbling block. And so the very gods that may not have been good in your family's lives, they're going to come after you. Whatever that may be. But if I'll repent and I'll turn, oh, God's going to bless me. God's going to move in my life. Verse number 31. Cast away from you, get rid of all the transgression, and transgression is just another form of sin which you have committed, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. How do I get a new heart and a new spirit? You get a new heart by getting born again. And Jesus comes on the inside of you, and those old appetites and those old desires will begin to leave if you'll begin to hunger for the things of God. Make the things of God a big deal in your life. And, and listen, serving God isn't hard. Serving God isn't punishment. I love to serve God. It's a wonderful thing. Man, you live with peace and joy instead of being hungover and broke all the time. And I love to serve God. This is a key for every one of us. Now go back to your left to Joshua chapter 24. The last book of Joshua. Now remember, I said earlier that old gods die hard. Old gods die hard. A couple of years ago, we were at the Men of Iron, and I personally invite you to go to that this year. You'll love it, all you men. But I spoke on some generational curses because of things in my own life. And I'll never forget when we had the altar call up there, just... Three, four, five hundred men were just jammed at the altars, jammed at them. And I remember being on a platform that was very similar to this. And, and I'm standing right here on, on this part of the platform, and I can sense the power of God. I mean, it's, it's like the angels are behind me in force, but if, if I got real close to this side, I sensed the devil, and I mean, in an incredible, yucky way. And it was like you could sense the contrast between good and evil, between light and darkness. And what was going on was those men that had responded to the things of God, the conviction of God, they came to the altar. And what was taking place was the 
the iniquities, the gods that their fathers had worshipped from generation to generation to generation was bucking. They did not want to leave. you got to understand, a lot of those demonic forces that had been involved in the iniquities of life, they had been in these men's bloodline forever. And man, they got nervous when men began to respond to the things of God. Because they knew, these guys start throwing the blood of Jesus around in here, we're going to get set free. Here we are right here, and this is at the end of Joshua's life. Now if you study Joshua, guys, Joshua was a man that anytime you pick up him up in Scripture, until he died, he served God. He served God. I don't know that you couldn't have a greater heritage than that. But here he is, one of the original 12 spies that went into Canaan land. And him and, him and a guy named Caleb were the only two that said, we can take them. We can win this. Let's make it happen, Captain. Let's do it. But everybody else booed him out. Now, he's at the end of his life. And this is kind of one of his final speeches to him. Look what he says. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, reverence Him and respect Him. Serve Him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, you know what he's telling them right here? Choose God, guys. Choose Him. Because God is not into partnership. God doesn't want you serving anybody else. And the word serve here was such a big deal to, to Joshua that in verses 14 and 15 he references it seven times. You gotta serve him. You gotta serve him. You gotta serve him. You gotta serve him. Verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day. And you know what? Every day you're gonna have to choose who you're gonna serve. Every day. What will you serve or who will you serve? So he goes on to say, Whom will you serve, whether the gods which your father served in that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell? Now, a few years ago, many years ago, some of you will remember this, there was a show on TV called Let's Make a Deal. I used to like to skip school to watch that. It's a big deal. And so what would happen, they would say, behind door number one, behind door number two, behind door number three. Well, when I begin to look at this with what Joshua said here, he gave them three choices. I believe those choices are the same for me and you today. Behind door number one, right here, he said to them, he said, you can serve the God that your father served in Egypt. You know what that represents? The God of our past. The things in your past life, your parents' past life, will still try to get you to bow down to them. They will still try to get you to abandon and compromise your relationship with God. Behind door number two, and if you'll look at verse 15, he said, it's the gods of the Amorites. What the gods of the Amorites was, was where they were at right there in their present life. Right there at that moment, they lived amongst the Amorites. So the gods of the present, right now, were coming after them. 
And the gods of our past and the gods of our presence will come after us based on our everyday circumstances. There's going to be gods from way back that are going to be tugging on you. A lot of times that has to do with iniquities. The God of the present will have things that will begin to, you, to get you to worship right then. But if you'll note at the end of verse 15, Joshua says, But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And basically he was telling them, I can't choose what you're going to do. And you can't choose what I'm going to do, but I'm going to tell you right now. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So right here, Joshua takes this opportunity to affirm his loyalty. And he makes a definite stand right here. Right in front of them all. Now birds were created to fly. That was factory installed in them. When a bird comes here on earth, he doesn't say, Man, I wonder what my mission is in life. No, he was called to fly. And fish, they were called to swim. That was factory installed. And me and you, we were created to worship and to serve God. That was factory installed. How do you know that? Psalms 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. The issue is this. The gods of this world are trying to pull you away from your true calling. And the gods of this world could be finance, they could be fame, they could be fortune, but every one of them are trying to pull you away from Father God. They're trying to get you to worship them. And what ultimately happens, guys, is our lives begin to worship the things that become the object of our life. What do you save your money for? What do you sacrifice for? See, it can be totally different from every one of us, but these gods are after us. And so ultimately, he tells them, listen guys, you're going to have to pick for yourself. Keep reading, verse 16. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us out of our fathers up out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went among and all the people whom whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Now I'm thinking, man, when Joshua hears that, he's saying, right on, boys, way to go, good choice. But look what he says to him in verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God, and He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after He's done you good. So Joshua was telling him here, he said, Listen, boys. There's going to be severe consequences for you if you turn and start following these other gods. Now look at their response in verse 21. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. To serve the Lord 
is more than lip service. God is looking for action. And there's a lot of believers that are big talker, Betty Crocker. We talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. And this was exactly what Joshua was warning them about and saying, Listen, boys, don't come in here and start making all these vows with your mouth unless you're going to live it. Now, the very next book is Judges. Turn over to Judges 2 and we'll end with this. I want you to see this. Judges chapter 2, verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. Now, there's a lot of things you can have on your tombstone. He was a millionaire. He had two Super Bowl rings. He had a Mercedes. He lived in this or he lived in that. But me personally, I don't think you could find anything better on a tombstone than have the servant of the Lord. And that wasn't said about him just because what he said. It was said about him because what he did. Now every one of us in here will die sooner or later. It's not if we'll die, it's when we'll die. And what will be on your headstone? I couldn't think of a better thing to be on mine. I would love for that to be on there, but guess what? You earn that. I keep reading here what goes on. Just jump to verse 10 because there's a bunch of crazy words in verse 9 that I'm not going to pronounce. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Now that phrase right there, they did not know, you know what it really means? They did not acknowledge him nor serve him. They knew about him, but they would not acknowledge him nor serve him. So really when you look at what took place right here, they tolerated evil. They said, you know what? We're not going to go that route. We're going to go this route. And look at these next verses because you'll see the things that were pulling on them. Verse 11, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. Now, Baals were a false god. That's what that was. He originally started out as the god of weather, kind of like a meteorologist god. And when you go back and look, and we may just jump into this next week, but that's when a man of God named Elijah, by himself, he mocked the 450 prophets of Baal. They'd been around a long time. They weren't worth a flip, guys. They were a false god that gives you false identity. In other words, they're only a temporary fix. And so these gods that, that, that die hard, they're pulling on this next generation of Israelites. It's the same with us. 
These gods are still around, and they'll do anything they can to pull you. Verse 12, And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. Think about all the gods that are around us right now. Every day, just think about the gods we're bombarded with. Just right here in America. The gods of greed, the gods of covetous. Here's a big one. The gods of sexual immorality that's crazy in our society. If it feels good, do it. The god of possessions, the god of things. And so, just as these gods that were around them, they followed them, once again, whatever I'm around is what I'm going to ultimately absorb. If you run with people that are bombarded with certain sin patterns in their life, guess what's going to happen? You run with the snakes, you're going to get bit. Whether you like it or not. Now just think for a minute of the people you're running with. Are you excited about your future? Or are you saying, that really craptacular, it's not very good, Pastor. See, once again, it comes to my choices. I can around, be around people of the world, guys. But I've made a purpose and, a, and, a, and an oath to Father God. They're not going to change me. They're not going to change the way I live life. I'm going to live for God. And that's what every one of us in this room, we've got a purpose in our heart and say, I'm going to live for God. And you know what that means? You're going to have to break up with people, okay? Some of you are addicted to stupid people. He said, man, that's ugly. Well, I've been there, guys. I was addicted to stupid people. The pattern in my life, if I was ever around three or four buddies, you know what it meant? He's going to get drunk. He is going to be drunk. And so I had to break my addictions to them and quit allowing them to influence me and start saying, I'm going to allow the godly to influence me. And I'm going to get around men of God that will pray, and men of God who will live righteously and humbly, men of God who won't go around and hop in the sack with anybody they want. But it's okay in our society. No, it's not okay. And so these things begin to pull at every one of us every day, every day. What's pulling at you? What's the gods that are after you right now? Because they're still around. And when you look, when they came out of Egypt, there were three generations that came out. The first one, they wouldn't trust God. The second one, they didn't fulfill their task. And this third one, they couldn't remember what God had done for them. Generation after generation after generation. Let me ask today, who will you choose? Will it be the gods of your past, the gods of your present? Or you look and say, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. Now, even in my own family, guys, when you go past my father, there was no sign of God at all in our lives. And then I had a father that began to rise up and say, you know what? We're going to start serving God. And thank God I come from a heritage of that now. That I'm going to serve God, and my children are going to serve God, and my grandchildren are going to serve God. But it just takes one. And I believe God's asking right now, will you be the generational history maker? That doesn't mean you're perfect. 
That just means you say, Father God, I repent and I get back up and I keep going and I'm going to serve God and I'm going to honor God and I'm going to do the things God asked me to do. You know, years ago, my mom got into a thing and she looked and she said, I know there had to be references of God in our family. And she went back several generations and she found out there was. There was one way back and it talked about him serving God. And at times in my life, I wondered where'd that come from because in my family, there's two of us that are pastors. I don't know if you guys realize how significant that is. Because me and her, me and him, my brother, were, we were crazy sinners. We were, actually this week, and I don't know why I did, but I started telling Sydney some stories about my past, and she looked at me like, oh dear God. <laughs> you really were, yeah, I was a sinner. Man, God's come into our heart and He's changed, and that's what He wants to do with you. And maybe there is someone way back, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there is or isn't. God's just looking ones that'll say, I'm going to choose you today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.